and welcome to Top 3, Bottom 3. This is the inaugural episode here on the UpNerd Podcast Network. I am joined today with my co-host being TFG1 Mike. Hello. Hello. I believe you were from some podcast network, if you want to, you know, mention that and plug it. Yeah, well, little known thing, been around for about 14 years or so. Actually, as of this recording, I just celebrated 15 years of doing this thing we call podcasting. The Geekcast Radio Network, geekcastradio.com, go check it out. Speaking of things that are older than you think, this is the inaugural <laughs> episode. It is not the first episode recorded, but that's another story. <laughs> anyway, this is going to be the first one that airs. So I decided on Smallville. If you haven't listened to the intro, Top 3, Bottom 3 is a show where one host, in this case me, chooses a television series, or it can be a series of movies, that kind of thing, too. And then we watch, as rated by IMDb, the top three episodes and bottom three episodes. Now, in the case of Smallville, which is the one I picked this week, the bottom three and the top three ends up almost being chronological, which was not, in, not intentional, I assure you, and pretty funny, but... Because of that, uh, this will have a bit different format. Also, it should be noted, we've both seen this series. Normally, the review focuses on whether or not the series feels like it's worth watching. In this scenario, it's more on did the fans or people rating it on IMDb get it right or wrong? I will say it has been, since it ended, 22 years. I have not revisited Smallville since yeah. season 10, episode 22. So also as part of the show's format, the first portion consists of the host who picked, in this case me, explaining why. Why Smallville? I think this is probably going to be pretty obvious to do, but just in case. First of all, we've mentioned it, I don't know how many times, <laughs> when we were recording. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, it is the precursor, it feels like, to the current generation of superhero movies, shows, shared universe, to a certain extent, even multiverse stuff, because they were doing that as well, too. It's a show that I hadn't seen in forever, and it's a show I was wanted to discuss with you, and it always comes up when we're podcasting. <laughs> we just never sort of actually had any type of discussion or could find a reason, I guess, to put it into a show or a full episode. And the funny thing is, is at some point during the pandemic, I don't know if it was during, I'd, I'd have to actually look at the dates, but I almost went back and started watching it again because during the pandemic or maybe right after it kind of teetered off, Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum started up Talkville. The actors are going through every episode. <laughs> Mercifully, they're not up to the point that most of our stuff is yet, so that's right. fine. But yes. I do recommend no, it if if you were. Like, I haven't. I yes. haven't had the gumption to watch this at all. But if you're a Smallville fan, I recommend checking out their show if you haven't heard of it. Like you mentioned, it's Talkville. They have people from the show who worked on it behind the scenes and on camera on pretty regularly. It's hosted by Michael Rosenbaum and Tom Welling. Michael Rosenbaum has also had a number of people from the show and discussed the show on his podcast inside of you yes both are excellent i'll have a couple points regarding them we'll say as a spoiler coming up but in any case we were talking about you felt like you've been podcasting forever well speaking of things that make you feel old smallville was a television series based on the dc comics character superman 
The show premiered on October 6th, 2001, which, oh, man, I feel old now. It was initially broadcast by the WB, and eventually WB and UPN merged and formed CW during its tenure. The show would end in 2011 about the coming-of-age tale of Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman, growing up in his fictional hometown of Smallville, Kansas. There are a lot of things from the Superman mythos. I had a very different view of this show, which is weird, because I've watched this series before. But before sitting down and re-watching these episodes, like I said, I've watched the show before, but it, it almost felt like a different show. To get right into it, we start out with the bottom three. First of the bottom three is Season 2, Episode 6, Redux. It still had a rating of 7.1 on IMDb. Mm-hmm. So it should be noted, the quote-unquote bottom three are not all that low rated. Now we'll get into whether or not that's accurate, but... I say that I had a different view of the show because for the longest time it felt like, or I thought, or I had this vision in my head that the only important or really good episodes were the season premieres and the finales, but really no, and we'll get into that as we go along here. Mm-hmm. It just felt weird to go back and see the small elements in every episode. Season 2, Episode 6, Redux. I just want to point out, this is a shortened version of the show synopsis. So I copied it word from word from IMDb, then I removed a number of words and sentences, and this is still the synopsis. <laughs> this is shortened. <clears throat> At Smallville High School, a swimmer mysteriously ages and dies after meeting his girlfriend Chrissy Parker. The new Principal Reynolds arrives and comes into conflict with Clark Kent because he is a friend of Lex Luthor's. Meanwhile, the Kents are having financial problems and Martha contacts her estranged father whom she hasn't seen for 20 years to borrow some money, much to Jonathan's disapproval. Lana Lang also finds an old picture of her mother with an apparent boyfriend. After not getting any help from Aunt Nell, Lana then asks Lex to help her investigate. That is a long series of sentences for a synopsis. Most shows have an A plot and a B plot, and very sometimes there is a C plot. Smallville has C, D, E, and F plots at times. Yeah, and I think that's why this is an episode that's not remembered super fondly, because frankly, there's just too many plots. And so because of that, everyone ends up being underdeveloped, and it just didn't work all that well. Yeah, it didn't work all that well because they were... Too many characters are in the kitchen. There's, there's too many cook characters in the kitchen because... You gotta juggle the parents of Clark. You gotta juggle Clark and Lex. You gotta juggle Lex and Lionel. You gotta juggle the new principal. The the school stuff. All of the school stuff I liked. I thought the school stuff was good. Yeah, that's weird. Is that was one thing that I thought again I had in my head. The school stuff was going to be excruciating. So I thought the bottom three episodes are going to be awful because to be blunt. I recognized the names of them, and I knew that there were episodes that didn't have a lot to do necessarily with the Superman mythos. I love my notes on this episode. This is probably <laughs> my episode with my favorite notes, where I've got stuff like, we open the show and are immediately subjected to Boom 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 by the Out Here Brothers, and the episode just kind of loves to bombard us with pop music in every single one of the high school setting scenes, yeah. which, yeah, that's a bit obnoxious. 
Also, I have a note that I like. It just says, I wouldn't call the music they decided on here, quote, swimming music, unquote. I'm not sure entirely what swimming music is, by the way. So Troy swims under an hour after eating, apparently, and ages really rapidly to the point he looks like me and dies. It should be noted, too, so Troy is the boy, first boyfriend who dies in the opener teaser. How come Troy's the only delayed one? Like, it takes him a few minutes to die, whereas later on with Russell, we see he ages instantly and just sort of keels over. I don't wasn't know. She, well, not to spoil what's going on here, but wasn't she holding his face? Wasn't, like... Yeah, she was. Actually, she had continued yeah, so contact. See, yeah, so the I don't know why Troy. So the only logical reason I can think of why Troy, the first guy, didn't die immediately is because maybe she didn't suck enough life out of him or something. Because we didn't see that happen. We only see him show up to the dive platform, and then as he's swimming, he slowly ages. Yeah, and then we once we learn what's going on, and we see what she does to these guys my next note that i really like just says mm -hmm. the smallville opening is lit i don't care how 2000s the music or presentation mm -hmm. is it should note too when i'm talking about the presentation everything's really colorful in the show especially during the high school stuff and i actually really like that we have been subjected pretty heavily to desaturation i guess like not much colors in terms yeah. of our superhero presentation in the last at least 15 years or so basically since smallville was at, at least on the dc side on the other ah side. no the the mcu stuff too though there's sort of a darker i mean there tone. are but there are bright yeah there are exceptions movies so i mean yeah there are, but there's almost sort of a neon colorfulness to Smallville, and I kind of... Oh, yeah. I kind of like it. It's, yeah, it's good. And it, it should be noted, it's not just the con the superhero shows I'm talking about, too. Just in general, a lot of sci-fi fantasy now is very dark. The colors are all gone. You look at... And this is not a knock against the show or anything, but, I mean, you look at stuff like Game of Thrones or House of Dragons or whatever, and color is just not a big part of it. And so it was kind of refreshing to get a lot of color. I will say there are exceptions. I have talked before how use of color is used heavily to imply things during things like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, but there's not a lot of shows that do that anymore. And yeah, it's kind of nice to just see color. I realize a lot of that is the high school scenes in this one, but overall there's just a lot of color to it. Especially with things like Superman's suit or... And we'll get into one of the episodes with a lot more dark, quote-unquote, coloring or shots later but yeah it's something i noticed pretty heavily in this and the other thing i noticed is so after the opener we get our first scene with lex and michael rosenbaum mm -hmm. who you cannot talk about smallville without talking about michael rosenbaum's lex luther because he is incredible he has very little oh, yeah. to do in these first three, in the bottom three episodes, I don't think it's a coincidence, by the way, that the bottom three episodes of the show, there's not a lot of Lex in. He's amazing. I mean, he just exudes a charisma in every single scene he's in. He's only in this episode. He's only there for plot advancement. But alternatively, yep. you can't take your eyes off of the guy. He's very good. Yeah, very good. We've had, I don't know how many... Lex Luthor since. Well, actually, I do know how many Lex Luthor since. But in any case, he is Lex Luthor. And mm -hmm. 
it pains me to say this because I love the guy, but even Clancy <laughs> Brown's excellent tenure mm-hmm. and animated can't quite do it for me the way Rosenbaum does. I think my issue with this Lex has nothing to do with how Rosenbaum is portraying him. It's how the writing is like he's supposed to the whole point, as we've you've said already, the whole point of this show is coming of age story is young Clark, young Lex, blah blah blah. This is not Lex the mad scientist. This is not Lex the president, not yet anyway. This is not Lex how we know him in any other form. This is supposed to be Lex as he finds his way in the world. I've got a note here later Lex and Lionel Luther. Oh, Lord. Give me a break. I still like Clancy's over, as far as, far as the voice goes, over this, because Clancy's voice is just amazing. Maybe the voice, but live action. Yeah. Rosenbaum stuff. So one of the things I always liked, and this episode has that to a certain extent, too. We get a good amount of time with Lex and Principal, Ren- Principal Reynolds. Principal Reynolds, by the way, would never appear again. He's played by nope. Richard Gant, who you've probably seen in about a dozen other shows or I love projects. This dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love he's him. in everything. I voice, I'm like, I need to look at this guy's filmography because I recognize that voice and I recognize that. Where have I? Se- I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, everything. Yeah. No, he's very good, and uh, it's nice to see him here. But one of the questions the show asks with Lex and that I think makes him so compelling in this versus a lot of other portrayals of him, would Lex have been bad if anyone had believed in him at all? He makes mention of it in a later episode we're going to get to where he's paying for the sins of his father and he is with Principal Reynolds to a certain extent, too. Yeah, nobody believes the guy. Nobody believes he can be good. Everyone just goes, oh, he's another Luther, that kind of thing. And in particular, Jonathan, during the series, not necessarily the episodes we watch, but in particular, Jonathan treats him really poorly because he hates his father so much. Yeah. Would Lex have been evil if just anyone had believed in him or reached out to them? And I think that's a really good or compelling question. How much of it was him being a Luther, him being a family, how much of the evil sort of stuff was inside of him versus how much was just sort of thrust on him? Because at every turn... It was not nature, it was unnurturing is what it was. I'm going to call it unnurturing because he wasn't nurtured at all. His family treated him like absolute garbage uh, because his family are all awful people. Yeah. Uh, as we see through even these episodes, even these six yeah. we watched. And it just, I don't know, I really enjoyed his portrayal of him because of that. It gives him a lot more, I think, to work with than a lot of Lexes do, mm-hmm. where I think the tendency is to move towards cartoonishly evil. In a lot of cases, here we kind of get to see why maybe he would. I don't know, I just think he yeah. just does a fantastic job. Anyway, I mentioned the Principal Reynolds, and then speaking of one-off characters that get a bunch of time in the episodes, Martha's dad. (sighs) (laughs) Martha's dad never appears again. He gets mentioned one more time in this season, and then just never ever is mentioned, shows up again in Smallville. So that was sort of a missed opportunity. 
to be blunt though martha's dad was right jonathan is apparently consistently unable to provide for martha as we see and clark tries to get a relationship with his grandpa which is cute but again he never shows up or gets mentioned again it was just sort of a it just sort of doesn't matter and everyone sucks at the kent family meeting and jonathan's kind of a jerk to him the dad or sorry grandfather is a jerk I know the intention was to tie it in with Lana's stuff with Aunt Nell and her mother and then the sort of relationship between Lex's family and Principal Reynolds, but none of it really works, especially since we don't know any of these people and we never see pretty much all of them again. And my last question I have to is, how does Smallville have any kids or young people left after how many people die in this high school? (laughs) <laughs> well you know kids graduate from middle school they go to high school it's it's a never they die and they die in high school in smallville yeah. that's also their, that, that's their peak in high school you die yeah apparently <laughs> well chrissy was all about peaking in high school so her whole thing yeah. it should be noted so the villain here was chrissy she is draining people's youth to stay in high school forever okay fine why does a mirror suddenly kill her at the end of the episode she used one at the end of the sh- episode, she looks into something, sees her reflection, and then just kind of dies? I have a theory about that, but I'll get that once I go through my notes. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, I, I, it's a, you saw how the mirror was moving? Yes. I think it was their way to show off, maybe homage, and I'm probably reaching on this, I get, I get it, but I think it was their way to show us a Phantom Zone in Smallville the way the mirror of the phantom zone worked and things like that because it's showing various and the reflections that she's seeing that's why she dies is because the reflections are so much more horrible than what i guess yeah it's obvious that it's reflections it's just sort of a weird i don't know it's just sort of weird considering she has seen mirrors before previously uh just an odd oddity and then staring at the mirror like the mirrors no i know she was just like glancing this she was like sitting there mesmerized i i I don't know season three episode seven (laughs) wait wait a minute what about my notes oh fine the super speed underwater i love that (laughs) that's great (laughs) in the very beginning did you notice the marvel and transformers references yes excelsior prep and you think there's more to it than meets the eye I don't think that was a, explicitly oh. a Transformers reference. No, but, but anyway. I'm a trans- but yeah, so. the Again, what I, what I loved about this show then and now is how interesting the powers look and how the effects are done on the... Like, the super speed underwater, super speed in general, usually it's just him as a blur like we know. But underwater, I thought it was really cool and interesting because we, we don't really see that too often. And then the X-ray vision quite literally is x-ray at least in this one case where he's seeing bone structures and and things he's not just seeing through the wall uh you're right the remy zero theme will always be a favorite absolutely and i will also say that the music of this show did the same thing that a series that i just recently finished watching again for the first time in a long time did in 2003 with the oc the oc in smallville and even to the lesser extent a lot of the other CW, WB, CW shows, they were always up on whatever was current music. 
you got somewhere out there by late our lady peace at the end of this episode you've got lifehouse in, in another episode we'll oh. talk about later oh hey that song is everything Shut oh. up. <laughs> uh, and then the biggest thing for me with this is because i lived there at the time this is before smallville happened but the actress who plays chrissy is a lady by the name of maggie lawson Maggie Lawson got her debut on WDRB Fox 41 in Louisville, Kentucky. She was on their their kids news program back in the 90s. So I've always noticed her because I would always hmm. watch her on those news programs back then. And when she showed up here, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. She was in this show. And then I looked at her filmography. I'm like, oh, wow. OK, well, she's been in a bunch of stuff I've seen. Not not a whole lot, but a, like. She had like nine episodes of the Lethal Weapon reboot series or whatever hmm. you want to call that. And I, I just I've always had well, as a kid in the nineties I had a huge crush on her and I just I've always liked when she shows up. I wish she would have done more stuff. Uh well, it's and... because she aged and she looked into mirrors and uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's pretty much all I have. Yeah, it should be noted so the next episode is season three, episode seven, Magnetic. It is another seven point one. There's a few episodes tied, and what I tried to do was pick episodes not in the same season to try to get more of an overall sort of feel for the show, not to mention be able to talk about how things progress. And this episode, we get Discount Magneto. I mean, uh... So. <laughs> I like that we open at the fair, and we get more sort of... We get another sort of obnoxious open with music. Mm -hmm. It's fine, you mentioned that, but... Okay, I just I, it I, dates I, the I shows. Yes, but th that's the thing. Like, so you you know this about me, and the, your lovely brand new listeners here probably don't know this because they probably have never been to the Geekcast Radio Network at this point. But I think that things should not hold up to today's standards. They should be looked at at the time that they were made, and in whatever year season three was 2003 2004 whenever the hell it was josh kelly's amazing was a huge hit as soon as i heard the song i'm like wait a minute i know that song i agree i, I agree but the, yeah i agree but the what i would say is the music should fit the scene and it should do so seamlessly and it's something that smallville did later on to better yes. effect and there yes. is a use of a song that I feel like works better in this episode that I will okay. point out. We do get a sweet GameCube reference here, though, just to yeah. make sure that the show is dated. Yeah. We see another character, by the way. So this one focuses on Seth. Seth is apparently a student who's always had a crush on Lana. Seth we never saw before this, and we never see again. So they're at the fair. Seth, by the way, has an unhealthy obsession with the fair in this episode. Seth proceeds to tell Lana and Chloe that a game is rigged. Lana decides to play anyway. If somebody tells you the game is rigged, why would you... That just seemed weird. And then... Lana's not the brightest bulb <laughs> in the pack. There's more on Lana later, trust me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh boy. My next question is, why is the big angry man so very interested in a Smallville Smino globe? Yeah. <laughs> he just seems to really want it. And then everybody just overreacts to every portion. It's like watching a Road Rage video on Reddit. Everybody just kind of jumps to jumps straight to 10. 
And my next question regarding the snow globes is, why is the green in them kryptonite? Like, were they made in Smallville? Is there a Smallville snow globe factory we never saw? Okay, well, I can kind of sort of somewhat explain this, but you already know. Yeah, I know. The meteor is in everything. I know. Like, they have to find a way. I know. I know you know, but the (laughs) listeners may not know. I just think it's funny to imagine that Smallville, this tiny Kansas town, apparently has a snow globe factor. Yeah. Well, you know, snow globe's going to be made somewhere. Can't all be made at the North Pole. Yeah. And also to make sure that we know that Seth Mm -hmm. is going to get these powers. The name of the episode is Magnetic. I want to keep yep. keep that in mind. He runs a game that involves magnets, and then he just happens to become Discount Magneto. Mm-hmm. I'd say he's Death Magnetic. Hmm. No. So Seth eventually gets some of the kryptonite in his wounds, which clearly it was not that. It was the COVID vaccine, which gave him his... <laughs> Magneto powers. I'm still waiting on mine. After Seth gets infected and everything else, Chloe, for the second time in this in these episodes, is able to just break into a place and get medical records. It is a recurring theme because later on in another episode, they will break into the hospital to get records yeah. again. I should note in the previous episode, Chloe just got handed or got told medical records by the coroner. Anyway, nobody believed in not disclosing patient status or anything in Smallville. I just kind of find that funny. Seth is using his powers to control Lana and want to date her. Seth immediately takes her to the fair. That is their first date. Later on, by the way, when he's in trouble and everything else, his plan is to sneak away with the fair. The fair is his true love, not Lana. You don't need Lana, Seth. You clearly are in love with the fair. They go to the fair. Clark goes, oh, I heard screams as his reason, (laughs) as his reason for getting involved. Great choice for Lana because she's got Clark who's being super creepy in this episode. And then you have Seth, who is basically an aspiring rapist. It's not Mm -hmm. great. Also, Clark, Mm -hmm. Clark ends up jumping to the conclusion that Seth is magneto jr really quickly and then seth just sort of immediately shows him he is it's just kind of i don't know seth's not great at keeping secrets or anything and like i said before we get the hospital records lex's pi is in this episode though and i love him so that's mason is the character name Mm -hmm. mason breaks into (laughs) the torch it should be noted the torch is character chloe sullivan's High school newspaper where she investigates and has the wall of weird and she investigates all the weird stuff that happens in Smallville. Chloe eventually becomes aware of Clark's abilities. Mm -hmm. In this episode, Lex's PI goes and steals a high school kid's computer to try to to try to get data for Lex. Lex's PI yeah. is terrible at his job, apparently. Also, why didn't he just take it? Instead, he apparently takes the PC and then just lingers. Like, he waits for Chloe to come back. Does I'm, he? Yeah, because he conf- she no, confronts he, him. He's still yeah, in the she, room. Yeah, no, she... So, yeah, she confronts him, 
But he hasn't taken the PC yet. They have their whole conversation, and then close to the end of it, that's when he... Oh, that's right, yeah. He takes it and walks PC, off with it in front of her. He takes it and walks S- off. Sorry, I, specific- I just went back to my notes, and I specifically <laughs> have in here, why didn't he just take it? Because he had broken in earlier. Instead, he waits to... Oh, you... Okay, yeah. Sorry, yeah, that's what I meant. He okay. waits okay, okay. He yeah, waits yeah, yeah. for her to come back, and then for dramatic tension or whatever, yeah. he decides to take it in front of her. I don't know. He's very bad at his job. Don't worry, though, he yes. dies. It's very odd. We go back to our very exciting main story, which is Seth. Seth doesn't actually tell Lana to rob the cafe. She just kind of does it. I know it's because she wants to leave town with him. But does that mean secretly she just always wanted to rob the coffee house? No. I, I like to think yes. <laughs> well, she is stealing from Lex. So, I mean, you know. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine, but I I think it's specifically because of the kryptonite. Because of the kryptonite it is, poisoning. Yeah. yeah, so... So I mentioned earlier use of music in the episode. I love mm-hmm. the use of Pink's Trouble on the radio in the car while Seth is mm-hmm. trying to drive out of town. That, I feel like, is good use of licensed existing music versus just having it play over a scene as if it's sort of a music video. I don't know. I feel like that works a lot better. Okay, I gotta defend the Josh Kelly the, the, the beginning here because you're just. I don't hate the song. I just. Think I know you don't hate the, the song. Use, you just hate where the it use is. and the I placement understand. is a little obnoxious, especially through other episodes we see. Okay, yes, you're right. However, I will say that at this time, I'm pretty sure that was his like make me famous breakout hit actually it's probably the only song of his i've ever listened to but it's one of those things where this show was using it in a way where it was just supposed to be in the background if you notice when they go into that crowd and then the the crowd disperses because of whatever the hell happened i forget what the hell happens in the crowd something happens in the crowd Uh, that's when seth gets knocked over okay that yeah that's okay that's or sorry seth seth starts by throwing the bully and then later on seth right Gets okay back. so but as you like we're supposed to be going on this journey with seth and lana of being at the fair and he's you know at the fair and it's him and her and clark too and all this and all that you're not supposed to be focused on the music just like no, i know the radio the radio is fine it's the car radio it is what it is but again it's like it's just a song in passing it, it, it's not a focus point <laughs> i agree it's terrible so <laughs> that's not what i said <laughs> Exactly. So after this scene, Alana gets arrested. Seth escapes town. We get Pete shows up for his mandatory four seconds an episode to explain Seth trying to get out of town, which Clark, you know, confronts them, melts the road, stops it. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I, I love the heat vision effect, though. That looks really cool. That's good. In general, the effects are good. There's a later shot, and that's where I'll kind of get into it in a, another episode, in a better episode. <laughs> that, <laughs> that I really like, where I really point out to the effects and that sort of stuff. But yeah, so Seth, Seth eventually gets taken out. Clark uses, mm-hmm. well, forms an electromagnet. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure if the science checks out here, but I think it works. It was actually a good confrontation. It should it should note, by the way, this episode and the previous one, my notes make it seem like I'm being hard on it. I'm being hard on them because they're not as good as some of the other episodes. They are right. still pretty good. These are entertaining yeah. episodes. Yeah, when it comes 
I think I mentioned it earlier, when it comes right down to it, should you watch Smallville or not, especially now with it available, so I watch it on Prime, Amazon Prime Canada, you watch on Hulu, it is readily available everywhere. It is a very good show to binge watch. So Clark takes him out. Seth never appears again. He, he I guess he never gets out of the coma. I don't know. At the end of the episode. Probably not. Probably not. We don't get a lot of return videos. And that's the end of my notes on Magnetic. So more of my notes on Magnetic here. Clark, are you stalking us? No. Yeah. Why would you think that? Yes. Yes, you are, Clark. Stop it. And then the whole thing where he and Chloe get caught in the in the in the doctor's office because she's just in there taking. She kisses Clark. I don't know if this is the first time she's kissed Clark, but and then there's Stupid Girl by Cold playing somewhere before the heat vision effect. The jail. Oh my God, the jail cell pissed me off. Lana Lang in jail. That's fine. She can be in jail. That jail cell is too comfortable. Oh, yeah. They've got, look like, full... Yeah, no. You look at that jail cell again. There's toilet paper on the wall, which, okay, that's fine. But the re- the, the bed in there, the, the, no jail cell ever has a mattress. Well, she's got a really comfy yeah, bed and mattress and set yeah, up. And she's got a nice little window. Like, it's very... Uh, yeah, it's too nice a setup. And I, I love the scene with Martha and Clark. And he's asking her for advice. And she goes, I don't know, Clark. And he says, I miss the days when your answers were yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> and my final note is, Klana will never be, because Clark and Lana just no, don't, and stop. Yeah, again, something we'll get into later. So I get into mm-hmm. stuff essentially during the disappearance of those characters, because as Smallville ran for so many seasons, 10 total, yep. characters come in... Yeah, characters and people come and go, with the exception of really Tom Welling. On occasion, Allison Mack dips out, and particularly it's a couple of the last years. But for the most part, Welling is really the only sort of constant through it. Yeah. Speaking of guest characters, (laughs) what a waste in this next one. So this is the lowest rated episode. I will flat out say it right now. The people who rated these got this one right. This is... Oh, yeah. I dreaded this one. So this is the only, I would argue, legitimately kind of bad episode <laughs> that we watch. Yeah. This Can is I se- just run through these really quick for me? No, go ahead. Not, I, oh, my God. My first thought, as soon as I'm seeing the episode, Chloe, oh, God, no, I don't care. Oh, her writing is so bad in this episode. So bad in this episode. (laughs) And I forgot what these teen dramas were like after the teens stopped being teens. This is what I thought Smallville was. This is is what my memory of the non-Superman mythos episodes was. And I was wrong. If you believe (laughs) that, then fine but you're doing yourself a disservice because it's really worth watching yeah yeah yeah, the series is worth watching but episodes like season five episode five thirst is a one-off oh i would rather watch jim carrey get once bitten in 1985 than watch a buffy ripoff and look i love spike we all love james marsters he's great I forgot he was in this one. I actually forgot he was in this yeah. series. Yeah, like, I knew he was in the series. To, right, like, I kind of knew, but, like, I forgot, like, this is kind of where he shows up kind of thing. And my final note 
trashy vampire romance TV. Yeah, Ugh. no thank you. And then, of course, Chloe, even though her writing at the beginning was really, really bad, of course, she has to make the up, up, and away joke at the end. And I'm just like, oh, I don't remember when Pete disappears, but I was so glad when Pete finally disappeared. And I know <sighs> Chloe is a more central character than Pete. Like Pete had a, had a had a finite time. Yeah, I should should have got into him at the end of the last episode because, yeah. like I said, I try to hit on the characters as they leave. But yeah. yeah, Pete, Pete, especially when Chloe found out Clark's secret. Mm -hmm. Pete becomes very superfluous and it's too bad because I like Sam as an actor. I thought he did a good mm -hmm. job. They just yeah. had nothing for him to do. It's not about it's not about the actors or actresses. No. It's about the writing, it's yeah. about the roles, it's about the characters. They That's didn't know what to problem. do with them. And it's yeah. funny because Tonkville that I mentioned earlier pretty much just got into the departure of Pete. They make some good points in terms of his departure was done well, where he tells Clark that listen, I can't keep this up. I can't be the guy that defends your secrets. That sort of thing. Okay, fine. So they did his departure well. It just, they never had anything for the character to do. And that was the biggest problem. I mentioned it that in a lot of these episodes, he appears for one or two sentences and then he's gone. Yep. Pete was just a, he was just kind of there a lot. And it's too bad. There's a couple of other characters that kind of come and go. So, Thirst. We open with Carrie Fisher as Pauline Kahn. Mm -hmm. I love seeing Carrie Fisher. It was great to see her act because she hadn't done a lot of stuff in front of the camera. She's done quite a bit behind at this point. It was great to see her again. But her character's really one note in this, and then she never appears again. She gets mentions and then just kind of disappears. It does a disservice to the character to a certain extent that she is supposed to be this hardened journalist, and she reads the article that chloe is writing through this episode that she is narrating to us the viewer mm -hmm. the article is absolute crap it's really horribly written and for yeah. her to go oh you've got some talent here no she didn't it was really bad you were really wrong if anyone handed me that article i would just tell them yeah so you need to never write again uh and if you could just forget the english language because apparently you hate it <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is the vampire sorority one. We open with a pizza delivery guy who, by the way, I guess he decides not to work for the rest of the night or he quits his job. Like, I'm not real clear. Also, nobody notices that this sorority, so the sorority has been doing this for quite a few years, we find out, with Buffy Sanders, har har, what a great pun, and James Marsters is in it too. Wow. Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway, the sorority, nobody noticed that people would visit this place and just be killed i'm not real clear on this i don't know and yeah james marsters by the way for people who don't know so why are you listening to this show if you don't know anything about smallville <laughs> but james marsters played brainiac who is initially pitched as a professor at clark's university and he's good as brainiac he is in this episode, he's been sort of following Lex. And Lex explains to Brainiac, no, no, I'm not evil. And then he sort of adds, but uh, yeah, you're going to get fired if you stop telling people I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Way to sell way to sell us on that. 
So whatever. Lana gets kissed. She turns into a vampire. There's a lot of blood in this episode, by the way, but Lana getting kissed by a woman was, I guess, too hot for CW because they cut away from it. Yeah, they cut away from that, but they'll show us the blood. Yeah, there's lots of blood and everything else. Ah, thank you, CW censorship. Well, sorry, W... Ah, no, this is season six. This is CW. CW. Apparently the vampires also just get loaded and smack each other around all the time. Which, to be fair, it sounds a lot like Preacher more than any other vampire story. But that is a seminal Garth Ennis comic that has nothing to do with this terrible episode. The resolution is that Lex Lex had the cure for this. Clark ends up curing everybody. Lana conveniently gets cured and forgets everything about her biting Clark, including that she got powers from him. By the way, why is the heat vision the only power she gets from biting Clark? <laughs> he has a whole I, bunch of them. Why? I, maybe the budget only allowed for one. I guess. In the end, Lex was right about Brainiac slash Professor Fine in his warnings. This is another example of Lex was actually kind of the good guy in terms of he was the one that knew who the bad person was and nobody believes him because he's Lex Luthor, which Mm -hmm. I mean, he's still sort of shady by this point in the series. This is season six. My favorite thing I have is... Could you imagine if this was the episode that Lana found out Clark's whole deal? Yeah. How bad it would be if it stuck, but no, conveniently, the cure results in her losing memories. And by the way, her post-recovery dialogue was atrocious, where she mm-hmm. says like, oh, I felt only such strength and warmth inside you, Clark. And oh. Yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. Yeah. But what would happen yeah. if she died in a car accident? Season 5, episode 12, Reckoning. <laughs> yeah, pretty This much. is a 9.4. It is the highest rated episode of Smallville. Mm-hmm. This episode is very good and moves at an insane pace. So it should be noted at this point, my significant other is watching with me. She's never seen the show before. She <laughs> did watch Magnetic with me as well, too, and said, like, oh, this wasn't actually very bad like this makes me want to continue watching the show and here she mentioned it too that the episode moves at just an insane pace my notes are just sort of what happens in the episode i will sum it up real fast and then we wait a second if you say anything about martha please don't because i have a joke about martha at the end of my notes (laughs) why did you say that name oh no I got nothing about Martha. She doesn't have a whole lot to do in this one until the end, aside from that she gives them the whole, it wasn't your fault. So, warp speed version of this. Clark tells Lana finally, the reveal's done well. Clark finally tells Lana. However, he really puts everything on her at once because he proposes to her at the same time. Also, I should note that he kind of misses his chance here. So he proposes to her and says, you know, will you marry me in the Fortress of Solitude? which is located somewhere in the Arctic. He should have just said to her, like, yeah, keep in mind, if you say anything except yes, getting home is going to be real tough for you. (laughs) I always thought that was funny. Anywho, Clark tells Lana, Lana has a conversation with people where she hints at something up. And during this, this is the finale of Lex Luthor is running for a seat against Jonathan Kent. Lex loses. 
Lana goes to visit him. Lex been a drinking. Lex tries to talk to Lana, but she ends up in a car accident. She dies. Clark goes back in time to fix it, being told that there's sort of going to be a price to be paid. Although, to be fair, Jonathan's heart was not real good anyway. In any case, Jonathan dies in Timeline 2.0, as I call it. And that's sort of the warp speed version of the episode. It is a really good episode. It is Uh, a very good episode, yeah. I will point out, Clark's decision to not tell Lana through the entirety of the show was proven pretty much immediately to be the good option. Because almost the first thing Lana does is she goes to talk with Lois... And Lois mm-hmm. correctly guesses that, oh, is it about Clark? And then she mm-hmm. immediately says something, yeah, Clark's hiding something and it's so big it can change the opinion of me, who's known him since a child and I've been his childhood love. So, so Lana's my, not my... good at keeping secrets, apparently. And also, she reveals to drunk Lex almost immediately yeah, <laughs> the same like, problem. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention, by the way, maybe take off the ring. If you're going to meet Lex, like, oh, yeah, you're having a bad day. Oh, I'm getting married. We. So the whole Lana and Lois scene, my only note that I wrote down was the new adventures of Lana and Lois, because that was what I, Mm. that's what I felt the whole damn time. I was like, oh, this is a whole, okay. I kind of like it. Out of all the stupid crap that Lana does in this show, Kristen and, and Erica, I like them together with, as these characters i think they should have done more with them i feel like Kristen kruik worked better with almost everybody except clark and oh absolutely yeah the hell with it now is a good time to mention it clark doesn't think the decision to resurrect lana through and that makes sense he's a young kid he's been kind of sheltered he is different than us he knows he's losing lana by not telling her But then he goes back and then just constantly lies to her some more. So it was inevitable that he was going to lose her anyway. Like I said, he he doesn't necessarily think this through. We as the viewer, and this is my biggest problem with Lana in the show, we as the viewer know that it's destined that she's not going to be a part of his life. Yep. Whether or not that was a good decision to not break with that, you can debate. I think... They should have considered maybe doing something different with it, but it's a little late now, obviously. They never worked for me. And because we know how his story ends, I think that affects it heavily. Mm -hmm. I think Lana is depicted poorly in a lot of episodes, in particular the bottom three that we watched. She was depicted very poorly, and she's written very poorly. The will-they-won't-they of the show really drags it down at times yeah because we already know that inevitably they won't yeah now this episode does a good job with the will they won't they because there's actual stakes to it yeah you know something actually happens in that Mm -hmm. lex by the way commits vehicular manslaughter in both timelines He immediately drives drunk, by the way, that nobody seems to care in Timeline 2.0. Mm-hmm. Yep, nope. Lex drives hammered. One of my annoyances in this episode, so Clark tells Chloe everything in terms of, I've reset the timeline. You need to make sure Lana doesn't leave. 
What does Chloe do immediately when they get to the party? <laughs> I know, right? She leaves Lana. Yeah, she loses Lana within three mm-hmm. seconds. And three seconds, yep. Lex in Timeline 2.0 is a lot calmer, but then he tries to commit vehicular manslaughter and he still drives drunk anyway. The cost of this ends up being that Jonathan dies. He has a heart attack when he confronts Lionel Luther. Lionel, by the way, is the real loser here. Jonathan drops dead, so Lionel gets nothing from the whole blackmail attempt and all the money he put into the Senate campaign for Jonathan. Nice of Lionel to show up at the funeral, though. That was a nice, you know, very nice of him. What a good, what a good dude. Lionel Luther is amazing in this show. I don't think it's a coincidence that he features in a number of our top episodes. Mm-hmm. I thought the so the character is awful. I hate him. I hated yeah. Lionel. We we're supposed to though. He's yeah. just dreadful to everybody. John Glover is amazing on the show, though. He's so oh, yeah. good. It feels like this was the role of a lifetime for him. I loved him so much in this. He's had okay. I know. Oh, he's been in a billion list. different things. No, I know, I know. But I'm saying, like, just out of my watching John Glover's career, I think there are only two things I remember him from vividly: this, and as uh, uh, Simon Kraft in Law and Order: Criminal Intent up against uh, Bobby Gorin, uh, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, Mr. Kingpin over there. Yeah, he was good. Two- he was solid in that. I was worried you were yeah. going to say Batman and Robin. Oh, no. Nobody talks about Dr. Jason or whatever the hell his name is. Jason Woodrow or whatever the hell. Yeah, But yeah, John Glover is really good in this series, and I loved Lionel as a villain. It was good. Yeah, there's just a ton of things happening in this episode. This is a show that, to this point of... This is a mid-season finale in season five. But really, to this point, the series had an awful lot of kind of hand-wringing about every decision. Yep. To just sort of have an episode where, frankly, like, everything happens. Yep. It was really neat. This is a really good episode. I was a little surprised it was the top rated, but rewatching it, it makes sense. Yeah, rewatching it, it makes sense. And it also makes sense because what are they doing here? Look at this entire plot. This is essentially Superman the movie. In Smallville, that's what this is. This is, you know, Lois getting trapped under the whatever. She doesn't, obviously, in this. But the point is, is the very Superman 78 vibes. And kind of ironic that we're doing this now because we're in the 45th anniversary of Superman this year for Superman the movie. So we move a little bit back. I actually just have it in chronological order. So next I have season nine, episode 22, which is Salvation. This is smack dab in the middle of Callum Blue's turn as Zod. And yeah, I could do without that. Really? All right, I well. Do, yeah, ooh, I, I could do without that, but I got to go Fine. back just for a second because <sighs> Martha's pearls. Oh, please, yes. somebody call the Waynes. Yeah, I know. What a <laughs> weird. Why are... But yeah, Callum Blue, I think this is the only, I'd have to look at his filmography. I think this is the only thing I've ever seen him in, and I could do with it. I need a better actor as Zod. Really? I thought he was yeah. fine. I thought he was fine just because, yes, he chews the scenery, but I feel like it works for Zod. I don't recall Zod being particularly restrained in any of his appearances in Superman media or mythos in terms of the acting choices. I don't know. I was fine with it. I think he's a 
he is a better, more interesting Zod than, say, Man of Steel, I'd argue. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's a very I'll, I'll, that's a very I'll low bar, that. I agree. Yeah, it's but, a low bar. Yeah, but... I don't... And that's not to insult any other depiction of Super... I'm just saying. The reason, by the way, I have Salvation. So it's it was a 9.2, but the reason why I have it instead of other episodes that are the same was because I talked about this earlier. In my head, I remembered Smallville as a collection of finales and premieres. So I want to include at least one finale here. So instead of Justice, which is the assembly of the Justice League, really, for the first time. By the way, great episode. I enjoy that one, too. Real sort of precursor to what we see with the MCU and then the Arrowverse. But instead of that, I wanted to have at least one season finale, even though this was a cliffhanger, as you pointed out. I had forgotten, by the way, it was a cliffhanger, and then I watched it, and then I remembered, oh, yeah, no, I remember all this. But So yeah, that's why it got put there instead of Justice. Oh, that works. Thoughts? I guess in terms of, me- uh, in terms of meta lo- thoughts about the episode, we open with a flash forward. I don't know if I would have had the flash forward in this episode, because well, I feel like... Having him torn about leaving Earth and Lois without actually knowing the future would have been a more powerful sort of decision for him to come to near the episode in terms of using the key. Yeah. However, I did like the flash forward because it made it clear that there was a Jimmy Olsen and not just... Mm -hmm. Oh, so Smallville did this thing with Jimmy Olsen for people who don't know where he was introduced and he's played by one of the Ashmores. It is just a stupid storyline and he gets killed off by doomsday it was supposed to be this shocking thing that oh we'll upset the comic fans after after we made this nod to them that kind of thing it just never worked it was just silly especially that his one of the final scenes is at his funeral they're like oh here you go jimmy jr just so we still have a jimmy olsen and we keep the comic oh yeah. It was so silly. Whatever. That's just, that's not even this episode, but it was just a no. It was one of those things that forced me to remember. There is some negative stuff with this show. Don't get me wrong. But oh, yeah. I think overall, it worked really well, especially in an era before the other shows yeah. existed well, and before what, the MCU. Yeah, this is 2010. So. This one is, yes. The MCU yeah. is in its nascency. There is no yeah. DC. You no. at all. There's no, no Arrowverse. No. Because Arrow didn't start till 2012. Yep. And, and the funny thing is about this one is, I I see your point about maybe redoing and not having the beginning, but oh, I love the beginning. Oh, it's so good. Oh, the flash forward is nice. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. But I feel uh, like the flash forward stuff, if they had confined it to, say, our next episode on the list where we get a lot of flash forwards yeah but the, was this like, a good point to have that tease i guess is the question yeah, i don't know yeah so okay so season nine episode 22 salvation was a perfect point for having the beginning there because if you put it in homecoming i have three notes for 22 of season nine. I have like 10 notes for homecoming. All right. <laughs> so the beginning is great. The ending is great. Again, you, this is 2010. This is right. people watching television on actual TVs, not just phone screens. Okay. I know what you're saying though. No, I agree. We'll get into it a little more when we hit 
Homecoming because I've got quite a few notes as well. This episode, however, this is the culmination of Zod's plans for the most part. We see Zod again later on. He is in a single episode, but Zod wants to get a key, which Clark has. He wants to get it, and he and the rest of his troops will take over Earth and make it sort of a new Krypton just for him. Hooray. Clark, after the jump forward, is really sure of himself. And again, I feel like the scene works better if he was trying to convince himself of his destiny and not her. I I just think that the fact that her words in this scene start swaying him would have more weight. But the other note to bring up is the fact that we, this is the first episode of our viewings with Tess Mercer. She was a replacement for Lex. So Michael Rosenbaum had left the show. We needed somebody new. She actually does pretty well, I feel like. It was really painful to lose both Lex and Lionel, although they both come back. And it sucks that we lost their ability to essentially own every scene. But Tess is done about as well, I think, as could be imagined kind of sucks in this viewing that we get to her redemption phase so she confronts zod it turns out she had saved the device that would be able to use the key and so we only see her in her redemption stuff she dies here nudge nudge wink wink but she doesn't actually die by the way tess mercer dies i believe it's four times in the course of the series and then comes back each time before dying in the finale in theory, for good, but then she's brought back in the comics that continued the show. Back to the episode. The Kandorans attack. Chloe and Oliver try to bring up communications. Because, I don't know, they can't just call the rest of the Justice League. I thought that was a little weird. Why don't you just use a cell phone? They can't, but they can't. There's interference. Well, they take like, down the other thing. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. So they it's not no they can't at all because the 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 zod and his people have basically you know just cut all the communications offline that's why they have to find the the super secret green arrow satellite so the main plot of this episode is lois discovers the key and lois doesn't trust clark for the same reasons that lana didn't trust clark which frankly it's kind of sillier he well it's a little less silly, because at least Lois doesn't, hasn't known Clark since they were children. Yeah. But it does feel weird that she immediately starts rooting through his private things, and she discovers the key, she discovers the book on the key in what she thinks is his high school journal, which, by the way, she immediately starts leafing through. <laughs> Everybody in this show goes through everyone else's stuff as though they're protagonist in a JRPG. It's one of my favorite things, like, oh... Somebody has a locked chest. I must open this and go through it. Lois going from not trusting Clark, though, to going to Clark is a bad guy and the blur, quote unquote, who, by the way, it turns out is odd. That was a leap that didn't work all that well. Yeah. Thankfully, Lois has a really great memory for how people's hands feel because (laughs) she touches the hand of the blur and it's not clark's hand which she doesn't recognize she does recognize clark's kiss near the end yeah but she doesn't recognize his hand enough this is where i wanted to bring up some of the effects so we get clark just absolutely clocks zod into next year at super speed before rescuing lois and then talking to her and getting the key back i loved the effects and this is where i wanted to mention that overall the effects are not used heavily in the show the entire premise was no flights no tights yeah 
And for the most part, the effects are just subtle. There's not a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. It is partially to keep the budget down. Yep. This was a time when CGI was not as prevalent as it is now, and it was probably a whole lot more expensive. Also, it didn't look as good. The stuff they do, it actually works pretty well. I really liked that shot where Clark just absolutely <laughs> wrecks Zod. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we get the confrontation on the top of the building with Clark and the key that's going to send all everybody who is of Kandorian descent away. And this is where sort of I want to talk a little more in depth and why I like this episode and why I like Callum Blue's Zod. First of all, by the way, I do want to mention Zod's crew uses red armbands. It's not a great idea, Zod. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Yeah, no. Maybe we don't use the red armbands. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to be considered a Yahtzee. Yeah, whenever you have any type of movement or whatever, don't associate a particular color or anything to it. It's not a great idea. Or clothing or that kind of thing. It just comes off as weird and culty. It's not great here. My bigger issue was, I was so mad watching this episode because I didn't remember the end. Zod whispers in front of the Kandorians, who of course all have super hearing, just like Clark Mm -hmm. and Zod. And it was ridiculously stupid. Yep. I really liked the fact that it was deliberate and he had sort of planned for all of this. Yep. Though, because he pulls out blue kryptonite. Blue kryptonite negates the abilities of Kryptonians. The only thing I don't like is that he's stupid at the end in that he stabs Clark and Clark just, like, leaves the blue kryptonite in himself and falls off the building. So then Zod is immediately transported away. Yep. And Clark is not. And that is our resolution to this. In the next episode, Clark goes through a series of flashes and that kind of thing as he recovers. Mm-hmm. Lois, by the way, knows that he is Superman. Yep. He doesn't find out that she knows until much, much, until much, 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 much later, much inclu- later yeah. including after our next episode, which is season 10, episode four of Homecoming. I don't know. I liked Zod. I thought he worked pretty well. I like that we also got a follow up of him, that mm-hmm. we get to see him and some of the others again. What I forgot about this whole series is that eventually Chloe and Oliver ha- are a thing. They get married, for- yeah. I forgot they were a thing. As I'm watching Salvation, I'm like, they might, she might as well just be Felicity Smoke, damn it. Let's get into that <laughs> now then. Because that was something that I noted in the next one. So obviously this is not St- Stephen Amell. This is not that arrow, Green Arrow. I like this version of Green Arrow. Justin Hartley yeah, worked just, pretty yeah. well for me. And there is a sense of fun to it. I think he's perfect for this version of Green Arrow in a universe that is frankly a lot brighter and more optimistic than say the Arrowverse and Arrow. To be blunt, the relationship between Oliver and Chloe here works better and fits better than his weird one with Felicity. Yeah. In Arrow, I know a lot of that is because Felicity was meant to sort of be a one-off and briefly appear, and then they started rewriting the show completely around him, and or around him, around her and him, and yeah. then it became a will-they-won't-they they thing, which, but, did, did I mention to not but, do that? Okay, yeah, not do that, but okay, I, I will say, though, the Arrowverse, Oliver and Felicity, 
the will they won't they thing works. I like. I don't mind that there. It works versus, better there because we don't know their the ending. Clark and La- you're right. Yes. Versus the Clark Clark and Lana ending. Uh, the Clark and Lana will they won't because like that's fair. Were... But my argument for the other or against the other one is just the fact that their relationship just never really worked. True. They were never yeah. depicted or shown to be particularly good for each other either. Not until you saw the happy moments and the yes. family moments and stuff. But yeah. And that is one of the Arrow versus trademarks of there's so few happy moments or anything combined with the negative stuff with Smallville. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it before that I don't think it's a coincidence that the episodes that are the highest ranked on IMDb pretty much all involve clark's destiny they all involve Mm -hmm. the superman mythos in some way or another the episodes that are poorly rated are essentially just focusing on the team drama aspects yeah my biggest issue with the arrow in particular is it is heavily leans into the team drama aspects to the point that another host on this show who (laughs) We may do Arrow someday, but we'll see. (laughs) But another host on this show and I, during shifts when we would work together, we made up this scene that we essentially wrote where everybody sits down in the Arrowverse and they just discuss how many secrets they have between them. And everybody has about 46 secrets between each character. Like, oh, I can't tell Captain Lance blank because then he'll know about blank. And then it... If he knows about blank, he'll know about blank's relationship to blank, and then blank will get blank. <laughs> Blanks, yeah. It looks like Chloe's wall of weird. The the relationships that one character has on that show. It was needlessly complicated, and I think this show comes close to falling into that. But what yeah. sort of set it apart was it had a mythos, and it had a built-in arc it needed to get to. Or else it could have easily fallen into a lot of the same trappings. And it's funny because the first two seasons of Arrow in particular are amazing. They're two great seasons of a superhero show. And they're also, unsurprisingly, the least concerned with a lot of this interpersonal drama. Yep. All right, that's all I have to say about Arrow. All right. Well, then. <laughs> let's go back to the show we're actually talking about. Season 10, episode 4, Homecoming, unless you have anything you want to say about... No, I'm good on on the finale for 9. Yeah, right. So this is another 9.4. This was the 200th episode of the show, which explains the time travel, the flashbacks. Uh It really feels like the show is taking a victory lap in this episode, and that is perfectly fine, because to be frank, it's deserved. Mm -hmm. If this was you know, episode 50 or something like that, it wouldn't feel earned. But all of the fast-forward stuff feels completely earned, and I really liked it a lot. There's a major conceit with this, obviously, because we as the viewers know that Lois didn't go to Smallville High. (laughs) Yeah. And I know it's a recurring joke in the episode, which I but I think it's fine. It's a conceit just to make the episode work. It's a way to... It's a way to get her in there and to, yeah, it's It's fine. 
they could have written this better. They could have. I guess, this, but I'm like, okay with them okay. just skipping over it because to be blunt, much like with Reckoning, we have an awful lot of stuff here going on. Right. Oh, I've, again, I, I have another note down here. This whole episode is just another Superman the movie homage, which is fine. That's great. I, it's not a bad. I'm not saying it in a bad way, but I love this entire episode. Like you're saying, though, with the Lois and Clark stuff in Smallville, it just see like okay, we get it. You were there for five days or maybe less. Who knows? Whatever. It would have just been better for her to say hey honey let, let's go home to your reunion blah 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 whatever like i don't know yeah maybe i don't necessarily like, know that they needed for her to justify it and to try to fit into a school that yeah. she didn't actually go to but i don't know the the scenes were amusing yeah they were it just sort of breaks up the flashback stuff especially at the start yep another thing i liked too by the way is the counselor of smallville high being completely unhinged at this point i know we <laughs> yeah. only get two scenes with them but it was cute and brainiac reprograms are after the first scene james marsters by the way reprises this role but this is a different brainiac he's now good from the future i liked him in this episode i liked him overall as brainiac i thought he oh, worked yeah. pretty well and yeah he works here he's just a device to kind of get clark to so way, from the future the way i look at this is he's basically he's al whereas clark is is sam from quantum leap it is yeah. very much it's a wonderful life yeah oh yeah well, yeah yeah absolutely it's and a wonderful life i could never get past the title we in fact go back to season five mm -hmm. reckoning because clark gets to see the other half of it which is the confrontation between lionel and jonathan that, that eventually mm -hmm. results in jonathan's death death yeah and i like that clark's guilt is central to a lot of the themes it's central to everything at this point because clark is also guilty about the kandorians aka zod destroying a lot of stuff He's having a lot of trouble getting over that. And it's nice to see him let go of it. I feel like all of the scenes with that hold up really well. Yeah. I know, I like it quite a bit. I will say, though, the one thing that really bugged me in this episode, the way Brainiac introduces himself initially to Clark, where he yeah. stops everyone, and then he has some of the most ominous potentially evil dialogue possible he's lucky clark just doesn't punch him into the sun or something like you yeah. you look like his former villain you show up you stop everyone mm -hmm. you talk like a bad guy you're gonna get hit yeah pretty much brainiac takes him on an it's a wonderful life tour he goes back he gets to see that what's holding him back really is his guilt over jonathan dying we also got to see some present day stuff. I really liked that with the present day stuff of Oliver, which proves that Clark's kind of the heart of the Justice League, which is really a nod to com well, really everything, oh, be yeah. it comic books, be it Justice League animated series. Like Clark is pretty much always sort of the heart of the League. And yeah, we get to hear Lifehouse, which I'm sure made you happy. But oh, God, why? I think they okay so i think the reason why they use lifehouse is everything from their debut album oh it makes sense and it's also but again the reason why i think they used it here in this is because of the time travel because i'm pretty sure they used that song 
in one of season ones. It might have been the season one for now. I don't know. I'd have to go back. And I don't know. It makes sense and it actually it fits the scene, but that doesn't yeah. underscore the fact that Lifehouse sucked. The scenes where Clark's in the future, though, overall are great. I really had uh-huh. no notes. Clark. One thing I love when the two of them are in the Daily Planet and she basically pulls him into his the, their office, his office, her office, whatever. Those names are getting flipped. I had to go back and look. Clark Kent, Lois yeah, Lane. Lois Clark Lane, Lane, Clark Kent, yeah. have you met? <laughs> Lois is good in this, too, by yeah, the way. Erica Durance played Lois really well. And it had... It's interesting listening to her. I recommend any anyone who hasn't heard it and who is a fan, I recommend they go back and listen to Erica Durance on Rosenbaum's Inside of You podcast. Because she had a real tough time joining an ensemble cast midway through the show when it's kind of already hit its stride that kind of thing she did really well i don't have a whole lot of notes about the stuff in the future with clark it worked really well it's great because it's the 200th episode and so letting the fans have this payoff of finally getting to see a more confident clark a powered clark that kind of thing is great I think it was the right thing to do. I liked the book ending of a lot of the stuff where Clark returns to the present and he thinks it's Bug Boy from season one who, oh man, I had to look that up. I couldn't remember who Greg Arkin was. That's the name tag on him. Played by the same actor. So it ends up being a really nice touch. Maybe they could have found somebody more memorable, but whatever. It worked really well. And getting him or having him tell Lois that you know you made a real big difference in our lives and really improved things again sort of getting to the heart of the superman character and the positive force he can be was nice i just really i really liked this episode and the ending they they being sorry lois and clark they dance together and in the end they're flying which is another nod to clark's kind of let go of his guilt and his powers sort of coming along with that Although I do have a question for Tom Welling, if I ever talk to him someday. Did it hurt? He had to have Eric Endurance on his feet. I figure that would probably hurt. I don't know. Maybe they gave him steel toes. Probably. But that scene is just, again, so Superman the movie when they are flying in the sky and they end up dancing. So that is so, so awesome that they did that. Especially since this show bookended a lot of stuff with Superman the movie in terms of we do have Terrence Stamp as the voice of Jor-El. Yeah. We have a lot of the same beats. You've mentioned it. They use the same theme at points when we do see Clark in tights Mm -hmm. or we do see him saving people. In particular, we hear the theme in the finale. The finale was also tied with Salvation, but I didn't want to just jump to the finale. I ended up watching it anyway because I... I just watched both parts of it. Yeah. Which, by the way, I had forgotten it was split into two episodes. When it initially aired up here, I seem to recall it was just one two-hour presentation. Yeah. I didn't remember it as two episodes. The finale really works. It should also be noted, I wanted to watch it again, because fairly recently, I want to say, there was uh, just a dumb article from one of those content mills. I want to say it was Screen Rant or Game Rant. It was one of those rant rant whatever 
And it said, X years ago, Smallville disappointed its fans with its finale. And I remembered thinking to myself, I don't remember the finale being disappointing at all. So I decided I'd take the chance and watch it here. Uh, It does not disappoint. I still like this. That was a weird... A lot lot of those websites that just do the the clickbait article stuff, they're weird. They're just freaking weird. Yes, it was odd to me. In any case, the finale still holds up. So the final sort of question I always have is, do the... Well, the first question I would normally ask is, is the show worth watching? The answer to that is a pretty emphatic yes. This held up way better than I had remembered. It is a better show than I had remembered. It was frankly refreshing compared to a lot of the superhero output now. And that's not to take a dump on the superhero output that's out there now. I'm not trying to say it's bad. Quite a bit of it is quite good and in some ways better. But I saw somebody post a comment somewhere about Smallville that said Smallville walked so... The Arrowverse could run. Yeah, so the Arrowverse, the MCU, everything else could run. And I agree with that. In particular, we have two new Superman shows currently going, which are pretty solid as well, too. The show had... It built a DC extended universe, frankly, in a way that the other live-action productions haven't been able to, with the exception of the Arrowverse that I think did really well with it. It's really neat to see that genesis here, and the show still holds up well, like I said before. It's almost the perfect show for binging. You mentioned during the pandemic wanting to watch it again. I think a lot of people ended up watching it during that. Just something I, I noted, seeing reviews and seeing people write about it when I was doing research and looking up the episodes and that kind of thing for this is, yeah, it feels like a lot of people got into it at that point. And that makes sense. It's really bingeable. It's a still a solid show. It's not what I remembered. It's not the sort of teen drama or anything that I think I initially thought it was. I didn't watch it when it aired initially, But I want to say it was around season seven or eight I started watching it as it aired because uh, one of the stations up here had started showing it daily and I just caught an episode here or there, really liked it. I would end up borrowing the DVD sets from somebody I worked with to get caught up completely and then just watched as the new episodes came out. Yeah. I watched this show from pilot till about season five's finale. I skipped out on season six. I wasn't watching it as it aired anymore. And then when season seven started, and they're like, guess what? We're going to bring in Supergirl. Season six had thirst, so. No, season five had thirst. Yeah. Season five, episode five is thirst. Darn. Um, See, I've even forgotten where that episode aired. (laughs) That's because it's so bad. It's a forgettable episode. So I watched it. As it aired up until the fifth oh, season, up until that up yeah. until that finale, up until Jonathan dies. And I noped out on season six. I came back for season seven, and then I eventually just caught up with it and eventually mm. watched it. But yeah, overall, I I remember the show fondly. Of course, shows are going to have one-off villain of the week or whatever kind of episodes. And I think going back to this and seeing an episode like Thirst is like, again, like we said, 
Oh god, this is why I remember not to watch some of these early teen dramas. Well, Thirst is the one. Thirst is the one that feels not redeemable. Oh, that's the that's the vampire one. Yes, Thirst is the Thirst is the one episode that feels unredeemable here because. And by the way, this is the second half. Is did the fans or the people reviewing an IMDb get it right? I feel like they did. Yeah, Uh, but. Thirst is the one that's not redeemable because it just has no ties to anything else. It is the right. most one-off of these. Something like the other episodes we watched. So something like, be it magnetic to a lesser extent, there's not a whole lot of stuff there. There's some of Chloe investigating Lionel, that sort of thing. But I look at something like Redux, and that was a season two episode. Redux is a fair amount that kind of ties in. We get the principal's mistrust of Lex based on his name. Now, to be fair, his intentions, I think, are in the right place, but Lex does ultimately try to slightly blackmail the principal into leaving Clark alone, but whatever. I can live with that. I think his, his heart was in the right place. But the overall sort of stuff does get affected because... It advances the, well, does Lex Luthor become Lex Luthor if there's just, if anyone doesn't treat him like garbage? <laughs> if there's yeah. just somebody. Thirst is the one here that sticks out like a sore thumb that just had, oh, yeah. they just want to do a Buffy homage and it doesn't really work on any level. It's not, no. it's not entertaining enough to get away with it. No. The, the scenes of Lana vamping it up in more ways than one just don't, it's not good enough. No, it's not. And <laughs> honestly, she's not good enough. Is that no? No. Nope. 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 But overall, yeah, I would say that the the good in Smallville severely outweighs the bad. Are there bad? And when when it is bad, is it really bad? Yes, absolutely. When I first watched Redux, and I'm thinking, this got a low rating how this episode isn't like I, it got I, lower like, compared to the rest of the shows and okay and that's fine yeah but i but i'm saying like when when you when you say to me we're going to do bottom 3 and top 3 i'm thinking like top 3 is supposed to be fives or tens or hundreds or whatever scale whatever scale they're using i don't know and i don't care or bottom 3 is supposed to be like ones or twos or hell even zeros or something like that's what i'm thinking and Redux was not... Yeah, Smallville doesn't have any that are that low. Now, th- yeah. to be fair, I would argue Thirst is rated way too high at 6.7. There's way worse... There's Sorry, there's better episodes of other shows yeah. that are rated lower than that. We're talking... This is a significant sliding scale, apparently. But apparently. I'm fine with the other quote-unquote bad episodes oh, being, me too. Yeah, being a 7. Yeah, uh, yeah, I enjoyed them, so... Yeah. As is tradition in this, the first episode that's going to be put up, (laughs) as will become tradition, the other host will choose the next series. Do you want to, do you want to give us a teaser of what you're going to pick? When will that episode be out? Two weeks after this one comes out. This this is going to require me to do some research. All as I will say is next year is this show's 25th anniversary. So I'm going to... Go through IMDb's list, and I I hope the top three are going to be ones I like, because I have my, with the show that I'm going to pick, I have my own personal list of episodes that I love watching from this show, that I don't go back and watch any of the other bad ones. All right, so it's a show (laughs) you've seen. Interesting. it's a show you've seen, too. Okay, well, I guess we'll find out then. 
All right, so hopefully join us on the next episode. Thanks for joining me on this one. This show and this network has a Patreon. Feel free to visit us. You can, in the end, recommend particularly show or particular shows or movies for fine you pick or even topics for me on the weekly show. There are different tiers. Thank you for listening, though. Even if you choose not to support us financially, it is much appreciated. I hope everybody has a great day, and thanks again.